Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Thank you guys. Well, sure. Wonderful to be here and excited to minister to you. Uh, we've been on a bit of a trip, a business trip down to Port Elizabeth and had some time with family and so on. But this is home and this is the place to be and wonderful to be here. Say to somebody around you, God wants to speak to you today. Amen. God wants to minister to you. You don't have to say this, but I believe God wants to speak to each one of us. And take us to a new level of intimacy with him. Already with the tithing and so on. I believe that was the heart of it was that it's done out of intimacy. It's not done in a transactional way. But it's done out of intimacy. So for starters, I'm not going to preach. I'm going to do a little bit of a Bible study. So I'm not going to jump around and scream and shout. We're just going to go through a little chapter in the Bible and explain where we are and what Christ has done for us out of Ephesians 1. So if you want to have a little summary of where you are as somebody who has accepted Jesus into your life, then Ephesians 1 summarizes that. So we'll start at verse 1. Paul says that I'm an apostle chosen by Jesus. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers. So my first question is, are you a devoted believer who has been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one? You are not made holy by your good acts. You are being made holy by the fact that you are one with Jesus. So... We have to focus on being one with Jesus. The church and religion has focused on doing holy things. And if you're not doing holy things, then they give you the evil eye. Instead of saying, focus on being one with Jesus, and then holiness steps in. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your life. So once you are one with Jesus, number two is you get total well-being. What would fall under total well-being? Every part of your life. Everything that you worry about, that you're scared about, that you're concerned about, that is troubling you, they are all dealt with in that one part. God says, I import to you total well-being. If you have a financial need, God says, I've imparted total well-being. If you have a physical need, a healing that you need, God says, I have imparted total well-being. So it is not earned, it's not conjured up, it is not um, brought through. Because you love Jesus, he has brought you into total well-being. Most Christians are not living 
in what Jesus has paid for us. Because we're missing out on the intimacy. We are not pushing into the wholeness of Jesus. We're pushing into things of Jesus. And then we're missing out on that total well-being. And God is saying this morning that I have given you everything you need. It says he's released grace over you and imparted total well-being into your life. Verse 3. It's, we've only done two verses and I'm already like, okay, Lord, that's a lot to process. <laughs> Verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. You see, Jesus is saying it's not about trying to earn it. It's not about if you've served God for 20 years or 30 years or been good for two weeks or whatever, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just reading that changes my life. Just allowing God to tell me that everything I need is already mine. Doesn't matter if or what I'm going through. Doesn't matter if in the natural I can't see it. Doesn't matter if others look down at me or look up at me or any position that you're in. Because just by being his child, you've received everything you need. Do you want to tell somebody around you that he has already lavished upon us a love gift, every spiritual blessing? Just tell somebody they already have every spiritual blessing. And all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Why do we sing and dance in church? Because it's a religious thing to do? Because it's the right thing? It's Frontline's uh, identity? We are celebrating the fact that everything we need, we already have received. I think I have to teach some of you how to celebrate. I want people to just please tell their faces that they are celebrating during praise and worship. <laughs> I know you stand here behind the mask, but at least your eyes should twinkle. <laughs> because you are celebrating Him worth all of our heart. some life. Let us celebrate! <laughs> hey? I'm so sorry. But the most reserved Afrikaans person that in church won't even move their finger will go to rugby and jump up and down and the poor TV, if the guy kicks over in the last second, they're celebrating with all of their life 
they can celebrate the rugby. But to celebrate their Jesus that's done everything for them. I know I'm picking on Afrikaans because I'm Afrikaans, so I can pick on Afrikaans. I won't say anything about the reserved anybody else. Okay? We celebrate him with all of our hearts. Now, verse 4, listen to this. It just gets better and better. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Oh, Lord Jesus. He chose each one of us before he laid the foundation of the earth. What a privilege. Sorry, I'm not preaching. I'm just sharing the word, but the word gets me so excited. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you say about yourself or what other people say about you. There's an unstained innocence because it's him that did it. It's not your effort or your stuff. Verse 5, and it just gets better. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love has cascaded over us, would glorify his grace. If you look on Facebook and you see parents and grandparents, what do they do? They take the light in their kids. Have you ever seen a parent put up, oh, I hate my child or anything like that? No, they take the light in their children. They take such one, and God wants to take the light in you. Not because of what you've done right or wrong, but just because you're his child. To adopt us as his delightful children. Say to yourself, don't even say it to your neighbor. God delights in me. He has fun in talking about me. (laughs) Adopt us to his delightful children through our union with Jesus. You see, it comes back to your intimacy with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. God wants to so much take joy in you that other people would understand how much his grace is when they look at you. Isn't this a fantastic um, scripture? Oh, Oh, verse, for the same love that he has for his beloved Jesus, he has for us. When the Bible says God gave his only son, it talks about how much it cost him. And God looks at you as his only son. He loves you the same amount as what he loves his only son. Yeah, but I'm not perfect like Jesus. I've got problems and I mess up and I get cross and I don't do things right. And... But God says he loves you as much as he loves his beloved Jesus. And his unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. As you pursue what God has for you, so it brings him pleasure. He's not sitting there wanting to be heavy about you or make you have a hard time. He wants you to enjoy what he has done. 
and he takes pleasure in that. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. Whatever you've done, whatever makes you feel not good enough, some people feel not good enough because they don't understand enough. Others don't feel good enough because they didn't give enough. Others feel not good enough because they've done something that haunts them. But God says, when you are joined to Christ, you've been given the treasure of redemption by his blood. And what does redemption mean? The total cancellation of our sins. This is not Hannes 1 verse 1. This is Ephesians 1 verse 7. Okay? It's not me saying it. I'm just reading what Paul said to the Ephesians. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of his riches of his grace. Whatever you understand how much grace he has for you, it's more than that. I remember as a young man... I was actually alone. Um, I was on guard duty in the army. And I was left in Simonstown by a big yard of vehicles. A couple of hundred vehicles standing there. And it all had gravel. And I had to walk around these vehicles through, a, I think it was a Sunday, a hot sunny day. And I was walking up and down there and just trying to understand the word amazing grace. And suddenly while I was alone there in between the mountains and I had this understanding that nothing that I did or didn't do could separate me from the love of God. Because I was an Afrikaans person going to an English church, grace was a word that I couldn't comprehend. And suddenly, me being alone there with God, I understood grace meant that Nothing I do or doesn't do can separate me from what he's got for me. You see, we condemn ourselves and think I'm not good enough. God says you're good enough. The total cancellation of your sin. All because of the cascading riches of his grace. This super abundant grace is already powerfully working in us. You think you might not have it and you have to attain it or you have to do something before it starts working. It's already working in your life. Yeah. Releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. When you're in the grace of God, you understand things according to that grace. And we have to keep on praying this verse 8 over ourselves. Saying, God... Give me the gracious understanding. Give me the fullness understanding that's not based upon my studies or my bias or my family or my any part that I belong to. We need to have an understanding that becomes practical. Because I always say, Jesus did not come to take your brain away. Some Christians go funny and weird. You don't have to go funny and weird to be a Christian. You can stay with your feet firmly on the ground and have practical wisdom and understanding while serving Christ. 
And through this revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. <laughs> God is busy with a long-range plan in your life. God has brought you to this place and taking you further from here as part of his plan. It's not a chance thing. What did she say? It's not tatama chance. You know, we're not, yeah, if you win the lotto this month, you'll survive. And if you don't win the lotto, you're going to be in trouble. You have a security that God is busy with something in your life. Parents, I want to tell you God is busy with something in your teenager's life that you might think isn't there right now. God is busy. He has a long-range plan for them, and he is delighted to implement it from the very beginning of time. Oh, I get so excited. That doesn't matter what happens to me. God is busy working. God is busy sorting. God is in charge, and he knows where I'm going. Now let's look at verse 10. Isn't this, isn't this good stuff? Yeah. Did you know this was in your Bible? And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme throughout the, every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. This unfailing process, this detailed plan of your life is busy working out. And it has an eraser to take away all of your mistakes, to take away everything that you might have thought has derailed you. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ, God is busy making everything new and it's working through Jesus. Verse 11, and it just gets better and better for me. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. You are God's inheritance. With all your concerns and your fears and your mistakes, and you're, I'm not good enough, and I don't have the faith like that, and I don't know how to do this, and I'm not doing that, you are God's inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. Father God, I pray that every single one here becomes so aware of their destiny. So aware of you busy working out an unfailing plan for their life. I'm enjoying this. I love the Bible. This is so good. He gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every person's and plan, purpose and plan in his heart. God is not a failure. God is not one who messes up. We've seen bumper stickers like that. But God is busy accomplishing every purpose and plan that he had for you right from the beginning. Oh, Shinda. There's been holdups. You've been held back. You've not been able to step into what you've got. But I want to tell you God's plan is going to work out. I want to tell you God's busy with something. 
just focus on your union with Christ. Don't worry about the plan of God for your life. When you focus on your union with Christ, God's plan works out for you. Oh, Shendana. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we, the Jews, who were the first to long for the Messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the Anointed One and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of Him, when you are not Jews, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on our lives is a seal that absolutely signs off and proves the very fact of what I've just been saying. The Holy Spirit is a sign of that. Oh, you're cool. Verse 14. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. You've received the Holy Spirit as a ring to say you are engaged to Christ. The Holy Spirit is here to prove to you that you are called by Christ. It's here to manifest for others to see that there's something greater coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of the redemption promises. What's the next word? Promises and experience complete freedom. Let's go back to the previous verse there. The Holy Spirit is here to prove to you that God is busy with you. The Holy Spirit is here as a thing that we might not have all of redemption's promises yet, but we do have the engagement ring. We might not be married yet, but we've got the ring. We might not have all our problems solved, but we are committed to Christ. Oh, okay. The next verse. Experience complete freedom. Religion of God is not a set of rules. Because then you don't have freedom. And I'm not saying we can live with however we want to. But I'm going to say it's not made up of rules. It's not defined by rules. It's defined by much more than that. Rules is a small part of it. But religion has tried to focus on the rules. God wants to focus on intimacy. God wants to focus on come close to me. I want to be intimate with you. Oh, yeah. All of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom and for the supreme glory and honor of God. The Holy Spirit is there to bring glory and honor to God. That's why it's there. Paul prays, okay, verse 15. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord, Jesus Christ, and your tender love towards all of his devoted ones. Oh. My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse 17, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through deepening intimacy with him. 
Paul prays this thing. He says, I pray that you have more of an encounter with the Holy Spirit that will lead you to more intimacy that you would know and re the revelation of Christ through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You see, he's praying for these people that he's just explained, you've got all of this already. And then he prays for them to get to know the Holy Spirit more. Isn't that amazing? Oh. Verse 18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. Paul says that we can only walk in this when we have a full revelation of it. When you are saying, well, I'm, I don't know if this is for me. I don't understand if these promises are for me. Look at my life. All you see is problems. Isn't that where we are? Or am I the only one who sometimes experiences problems? It's like so far away from this what God promised. And Paul says, I'm not praying for all your problems to be resolved. I'm praying that you get more intimate with the Holy Spirit because then you're going to understand this. The church has got to the place where we're praying for the symptoms. We're praying for the symptoms of non-intimacy instead of praying for intimacy. It's a bit quiet here now. Listen to this. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him. The same power that lifted Jesus out of the death. And overcame every single attack of Satan. Because Satan thought he had won. He did everything he can to stop Jesus. And sometimes he's going to do everything he can to stop you. But then, <laughs> after a period, after three days, Jesus steps out of that. And he says, you have no power on me. You don't have any hold on me. Grave, you cannot hold me. Defeat, you cannot hold me. And he steps out. And God says, that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. When God tries to explain what power you have, he uses the picture of Jesus. Overcoming death. And we all say nothing can stand before Jesus. But we don't say nothing can stand in front of us. But we have the same power. Oh. Sure. In the, verse 21. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. Jesus Although he died and Satan thought he won, is now exalted above every single authority, above every government, above everything that will come against his power. 
He is above every ruler, authority, and government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that's ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. Jesus is above all of your circumstances. Jesus is above everything that you are experiencing. Don't try and fight it on the level of your fight. Fight it by your intimacy with Christ. Fight it by drawing from him. Oh, verse 22. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. Then verse 23. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. So it talks all about who Jesus is up here. And then we say we are his body. The church as we know it is supposed to function in the same authority that Jesus does. But are we? We are not. And the problem is our intimacy. I have spent time with very rich people. And then, do you know what happens? If you're close to them, you start acting like them. You'll suddenly start ordering the waiter with a more confidence. You'll speak to staff with more confidence because you have got intimate with an understanding of a certain position in society. Now, the very same thing happens when we are intimate with Christ. I'm not even saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that whoever you hang around with has an influence on your actions. If you hang around with people that are confident, you're going to be confident. If you hang around with people that are unsure of themselves, you're going to be unsure of yourself. When you hang around with a supreme leader of everything that's above every government, what is going to happen to you? You're going to have that same authority. That's why God's calling you to intimacy. Now, one of the engagement rings that we spoke about is the Holy Spirit. And we have to be able to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So just now, I'm going to pray for people here that are not filled with the Holy Spirit. That says, I'm battling to be intimate with Jesus because I don't know how to pray in tongues. So I'm not going to surprise you by suddenly calling you up. I... I'm now already telling you I want to pray for you in that area. For you to have a greater level of intimacy. That is my only aim in that. So I want to preach on something else for a while. And then I'm going to bring back to you to that thing. Saying, do you want to have the Holy Spirit as an engagement ring of what God wants to do through you? Do you want the Holy Spirit in that way? But I want you to start preparing your heart for that. Let's just quickly go through some of these points that we raised now. Because it it was only 23 verses, but it's like everything in the Bible is put together in 23 verses. 
Can we put up the number one point there? We are being made holy by being one with Jesus. You see, yes, we are being made holy, but the important part is it's with being one with Jesus. Number two, God has imparted our total well-being. Everything you need is already given to you. I don't know what each one of you need. Different people here has different needs. But if you have total well-being, then I know all your needs are met. If you have total well-being. Number three, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished on us. Because he sees us wrapped in Christ. So whatever you need spiritually, God sees you have it already because he doesn't see you as you are. He sees you wrapped in Christ. Christ surrounds us. Okay? Number four, he adopted us as his children. And his love cascades over us. The same love he had for Jesus, he has for us comes from verse 4 and 5. He's adopted us as his children. Can you truly understand what it means to be adopted as somebody's child? It means that you have the same advantages as an own child. It's not that you are just a visitor or a guest or somebody he cares for. You are adopted by Christ as his own children. Verse 5, I mean, number 5 comes from verse 7. We are joined with Christ and we have this treasure of total cancellation of our sins. We are joined with Christ and in that comes total cancellation of whatever you've done right or wrong. We don't stand before God with our lists of what we've done right or wrong. We stand before God in uh, wrapped in Christ. Number 6. In verse 8, it says the superabundant grace is working in us. More than enough, it's working in us. Number 7, his plan will be fulfilled. Let's talk about its reign supreme through every period of time. Number 8, through our union with Christ, we are God's inheritance. Everything comes back to the fact that it comes out of our intimacy. It comes out of our union with Christ. Number 11, oh sorry, number 9. We are stamped with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit. An engagement ring comes from verse 13 and 14. There's a seal that God has put upon us, and that is the Holy Spirit. And I think we need to desire that seal. Oh, and number 10, all redemption promises and complete freedom. Whatever you read in the Bible as a promise, you have it. It's not that some are for Jabez and some are for Moses and some are for Joshua and some are for this one and that one. Every single promise in the Bible is yours. And you have complete freedom. God doesn't want to control you. God wants to love you and he wants that interaction with you in your place of freedom. That you choose him. And you are not uh, being forced to him. Number 11, we know him through deepening intimacy and impart riches of the spirit. God wants to impart to you more than what you can imagine. 
Oh. Uh, number 12, God's glorious inheritance is found in you as you find your calling. Oh, oh. Now we're getting here. Is that God wants other people to see what you have inherited as you walk on your path with him. Number 13, um, verse 19 is all about the immense mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and now works through you. I don't know how to bring that across any better. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead is working through you. And then uh, number 14, Christ is the authority and the source of everything in the church. You see, that is where we get to know God and Jesus as the Father. A Father is a life source. A Father is that one that starts the process. The mom is ready to develop it, but the dad has to give that life, has to provide that seed that starts everything from there. And that is what God is for us. He is the authority and the source of everything in the church. And number 15, the church is the body of Christ that uh, on earth that fills him who is being filled. We are not just a church organization that gets together here on a Sunday morning because it's the most comfortable thing to do on a Sunday morning. We are the body of Christ that is being operated at this time. You see, when we have this revelation of who Christ is, then God can activate us into something, into action, into processing something. Let's just quickly touch on Luke 10. I'll try not to spend too much time here, but I have to touch on this. Um, after this, the Lord Jesus formed 35 teams among the other disciples. But there was only 12. How do you make 35 teams? Each team was two disciples, 70 in all. So the 12 has become 70. Basically means that each one of the 12 had six disciples. And this is what I'm believing, that when the church gets the true revelation of who we are in Christ, we will start developing our disciples. If Jesus can look after 12, then we can look after six. Imagine if each one of us gets six disciples where the church will be. If the church can go, Jesus' church can go from 12 to 70 in like that. And it doesn't even explain much on how it happened, but it just happened. And then he sends them out two by two. Now, if you read anything about guerrilla warfare, you will hear that a team of two is the most effective way to get anything done in an army. That's the least risk with the highest reward. Okay? Not a whole team is going to get wiped out if anything goes wrong, but they can achieve the same thing as what 20 or 30 that is sent to be done. If you think that you're called to ministry, I'm asking you, who's your ministry partner? <laughs> if God is activating frontline by this knowledge, then he's beginning to set up teams of two by two. And don't just say your spouse, because that's a cop-out. That's too easy. <laughs> hey? That's too easy if it's just, oh, well, my other half is going to be there. 
There's a place where God is going to start activating people. And this is what my prayer as a partner is, pastor is. As he is giving us the knowledge and the revelation of who he is and what we are in Christ and how the Holy Spirit is going to work through us, that he's going to activate us to send us out. Imagine if we can have 35 teams of two going out. Each team was two disciples, 17 all, and he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town he was about to visit. And he released them with these instructions. The harvest is huge, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to send out many more workers into his harvest fields. Now off you go. I'm sending you out even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs going into a pack of wolves. Who feels equipped to go out? I don't. I don't feel ready to go out. I feel like a lamb among wolves if you send me out to go and do evangelism. Now off you go. I'm sending you out even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs going into a pack of wolves. So your excuse for feeling vulnerable, Jesus says, I'm sending you out even though you feel vulnerable. (laughs) Sorry, your excuse is gone. You won't need to take anything with you. Trust in God alone. That's the second part of your excuses. I don't have this and this must first happen and that must fall into place. God says you don't need anything, just go. And don't get distracted from my purpose by anyone you might meet along the way. That's an important word because we get distracted by others while we are supposed to just follow what God has said to us. Okay, so then we'll just jump to the 70 that returned, verse 17. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. So if they were surprised by this, it means that they've never done it before. It means that they didn't expect it. It means that it wasn't natural for them. So what the church wants is, okay, we want to first get comfortable with our calling before we apply it. But they went out and they were surprised. Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. So they weren't very skilled in it. They hadn't very much practiced it. If you've done it a thousand times, you're not surprised by it anymore. But they went out as novices and they were surprised by how God worked through them. I want each of you to know that God is ready to surprise you. God is ready to do something through you that will make you go, God, I can't believe it. And Jesus answered this. And this one came already out yesterday while we were praying in the prayer. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. See, if we understand what was said in Ephesians, we understand what God says here better. We are part of Christ that is over and above everything that happens here on earth. 
So that is why Jesus says, you will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Without intimacy with Jesus, we have no authority in the spirit. Our source of authority doesn't come on how many years of experience we have. It doesn't come from how much we've studied the Bible. It doesn't come from who's laid hands upon us. It comes from your intimacy with Jesus and a transference of power that happens when you understand what he has done for you. Some people here are just sort of like tipping their toes into the religion. And that's what they call it. And I don't want to call it that, but just so that we all understand. I sort of like just want to watch it happen. But Jesus says, I've not made you to be a watcher. I've made you to be a maker. I've made you to be in the action figure. I've made you to be the center of the story. Not a spectator. The person in the sports field who's on the benches watching has a different role to the one who's on the field. Okay? You can't necessarily celebrate somebody else's victory and jump up and down while you have to actually concentrate to fulfilling your role. We are not spectators. Every single one here has been called and given the authority. I share Rodney Howard Brown's concern is that I don't want to get to heaven. And Jesus says to me, I had all of this planned for you, Hannes, but you only did this. That is my greatest fear. That because of fear, I never stepped into everything that God's got for me. And even worse for responsibility for me is that, Hannes, I put people with callings in your church. And you kept them in a little corner and never allowed them to activate that which I've paid for them for. I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus being cross with me because he's put so much into you. But I didn't kick your butt to get you activated. That's my job to say, Lord, let every single one understand how much you've paid for them, how much you've done for them. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.